If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Coffee in California Politics. Uh, giving it a couple minutes for everyone to hop on. Uh, today, we're going to talk all about gas prices and why is gas so darn expensive in the state of California. Kind of just dive into like where we are, how we got here and stuff like that. Just so when people say, wait, you know, why is gas so expensive in California? We're going to go over. I mean, it's not the whole multitude of it. There is a lot to talk about why gas is so expensive. It's sort of been like a frog in the boiling water sort of situation here in California in regards to gas prices. But um, yeah, we're going to get into that. Obviously, open it up to questions. I know there's been a lot going on with like the Supreme Court and what's coming down the pike and then the bill that was passed last night with uh, how many senator Republican senators voting in favor of a lot more gun control, most alarmingly being the red flag uh, aspect of it, which um, I do want to have a, a live uh, Triggerology. We've talked about having a live um, Ozzy from Triggerology. We've talked about stepping on there and talking about it and dedicating a whole episode to that. Um, but in other news, Tamika Hamilton, who's running for Congress in the California 6th District, she'll be on tomorrow night for the podcast. As always, it's at 8 p.m. So uh, 8 p.m. live on YouTube. Go and join over there. But Let's get started right away and talk about what happened. What, you know, what's going on here with these gas prices and what's going on with the why is gas so damn expensive here in California? There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of factors. There's a lot of things that have slowly been building year after year. The gas tax is certainly part of it, right? The gas tax is a big part of it with, you know, 51 cents now going up. to I think it's 54 cents going up on July 1st. They're not pausing it. There's been no talk of them actually pausing the gas tax coming up on July 1st, which is next week. And I always thought it was interesting that why do they have it on July 1st of all of all days? Is it because it's right before 4th of July weekend when everybody is about to go travel for something for 4th of July? I always wonder why uh, they always have it right at July 1st, maybe fiscal year or something like that. Probably more like the fiscal year. I think their fiscal year ends at June 30th, but... Um, yeah, I don't know if Joe Biden, someone asked in the chat, is Joe Biden or Brandon going to announce a federal tax holiday? Um, not sure if that's really going to make a big difference. Um, if they can say, you know, that's the thing, if they can give away these gas tax holidays and all these tax holidays, why not just get rid of the taxes? That's really my biggest argument. So let's go all the way back to the beginning and let's talk about where the gas tax came from. Uh, the gas tax was put into place with the California Road Repair and Accountability Act of 2017. Uh, this is from Ballotopedia. There's going to be a whole bunch of sources. So bear with me. There's going to be a lot of sources because I want to really give you guys the information. So when people say it's corporate greed, it's all this stuff, because that's the lamest argument I've heard is that it's all of a sudden it's price gouging and corporate greed. We know that California Democrats have started a committee to investigate why gas prices are so expensive. Um, and they're trying to say it has to do with price gouging and all these corporations. Not really, but um, sure. The California Road Repair and Accountability Act of 2017, also known as Senate Bill 1, was enacted into law on April 28, 2017. The RRAA increased transportation-related taxes and fees, including the gas excise tax, 
diesel excise tax, diesel sales tax, and was designed to dedicate the revenue to transportation infrastructure. The increased taxes went into effect on November 1st, 2017. According to the State Senate Appropriations Committee, the RRAA was expected to generate an estimated $5.2 billion per year, or $52.4 billion between 2017 and 27, 2027. A um, lot of, uh, we'll get into sort of the recall and what happened, but let's talk about really where this is supposed to go. The California Road and a Repair Act, uh, the tax increases went into effect on November 1st, 2017. Other than the diesel sales tax, the RRAA was designed to adjust the tax and fees based on annual changes in the California Consumer Price Index. So if things are going up with the California Consumer Price Index, it's going to go up along with it. The following is a list of taxes and fees that were created or increased. The gas excise tax, which is the one that we're really worried about, increased the gas excise tax 0.12 cents per gallon from 0.2929 cents, basically 30 cents per gallon to 41 or 42 cents per gallon, which is now up to like 54 cents a gallon. Diesel excise tax, the RRA increased the diesel excise tax, 0.2 or 20 cents per gallon from 16 cents a gallon to 36 cents per gallon. Diesel sales tax, the increased the sales tax on diesel fuel by additional four percentage points from 9% to 13%. Zero emission vehicles fees, the create an annual $100 per vehicle fee for owners of zero emission vehicles models over 2020 or later. Uh, ZEV was slated to go into effect on January 1st, 2020. So that was supposed to go into effect a couple of years ago. The, it, it enacted a new annual fee based on the market value of vehicles. Um, so obviously fees, 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 more fees and more fees. And it does make things problematic for people who ride, who use diesel, mostly truckers, truckers who need to use diesel to transport goods across the, the state when they're dropping off. So does have an effect, does have a downward effect because of the fact that truckers do have to spend more now. Um, trucking companies are now going to be shelling out the cost more to operate in California and specifically in California. does make that a little bit of a trickle down in terms of costs and what makes everything else so expensive. But remember, a lot of Democrats and leftists don't really think about the other implications of this. They just think if they implement this gas tax, they're going to repair the roads. Um, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, that as always, with these propositions, I will always say this, with these propositions, you have to read the language because legislators will always figure out a little loophole. They'll always give, give themselves a little safety hatch. So when they change their minds about where all these billions of dollars are going, that they can just change their mind and go, okay, we're gonna th this money that was supposed to go for roads, guess what? Now it's going to go somewhere else. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit and how Noodles went ahead and, and changed it all around. Um, there is a nifty little graph here on Ballotopedia. It's just talking about like where everything is going. Like The gas excise tax, 100% of it is supposed to go to road maintenance rehabilitation account. Um, which is for bridges, active transportation, freeway patrols, local planning grants, $7 million for university research, because that's really important when you are building roads is you need university research, and $5 million for workforce development. And the remaining funds, 50% goes to highway maintenance, and 50% goes to local streets and roads maintenance and rehabilitation. Sounds great, right? 
I haven't seen really an improvement in a lot of our roads around here in San Diego. If you specifically drive down the street like Ingram here in San Diego, you might as well have a four-wheel drive because it's like you're off-roading, um, bumping around and, and going through potholes. So this was passed in 2017. Then in 2018, there was something called Prop 6, Voter Approval for Future Gas and Vehicle Taxes and 2017 Tax Repeal Initiative. So immediately afterwards, there was Prop 6. Now, there was some controversy about Prop 6, and we're going to talk about what happened with Prop 6. But Prop 6 was the vote to get rid of the gas tax. And most people, you probably, and even polls showed this, I'm going to talk about this. Even polls were showing going into this vote that a majority of big majority of people actually want to repeal the gas tax. So it sounded like the gas tax was going to be repealed. But there was some some shenanigans. Of course, California doesn't like to play fair with ballot measures that they don't particularly like or know that's going to rob them. So we'll talk about that. California Proposition 6, the voter approval for future gas and vehicle taxes and 27 tax repeal initiative was on the ballot. A yes vote supported this initiative to repeal fuel tax increases and vehicle fees that were enacted in 2017, including the RRAA and require voter approval via ballot propositions for the California state legislator to impose, increase, or extend fuel taxes or vehicle fees in the future. A no obviously kept everything in place um, and allowed the state legislature to continue to impose, increase, or extend fuel taxes or vehicle fees through a two-thirds of vote without voter approval, meaning that as long as the legislature has two-thirds of the vote, which it does if it's all Democrats, that they can basically increase fees and they can increase gas taxes and all this without going to the voters. Um, It's supposed to be in California. Whenever you're raising taxes, you're supposed to go to the voters. But again, politicians find loopholes and they find ways around it. Um, I'll give you right now, the election results were 56.82% were no 43.18% were for yes. So it was defeated and the re repeal failed. Um, and there you have it. A lot of people are like, why are we, why are we still paying a gas tax? I thought we tried to repeal it because it lost. And there were some shenanigans. I will say this. And, um, I, I'm not one to usually, um, I'm not one usually. Sorry about that. Did I lose my microphone? Did I lose sound? Uh, Sorry, did I lose sound on that call came in? Um, Let me know if the sound is still there. Can you still hear me? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I know sometimes when a a call comes in, it cuts out the microphone for some reason. Uh, Okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, Last time a call came in, uh, it did cut out the sound. Anyway, moving on. Thank you. Thank you for everyone giving me the thumbs up. Cool. So uh, how did this affect a lot of other elections? One of the big elections was Josh Newman, who was a Democrat, who was a big proponent of it. He was recalled and he was thrown out of office. Um, Problem was, he was then just reelected like the subsequent election. So it did have a down ballot effect of these ballot initiatives, and it did have this effect of there were was a big Republican turnout for Prop 6. Prop 6 was mostly advocated for by Carl DeMaio here 
uh, in San Diego. If you don't know who Carl DeMaio is, he's a radio host. He was on the San Diego City Council. He runs Reform California right now. Um, he thinks he's the big wig of San Diego County Republican politics. That's a whole separate issue we could talk about one day. I don't think he should be. Um, but he was sort of the driving force, and that's sort of what put his name on the on the map in terms of being this statewide figure who can raise a lot of money and get things going. Obviously, it failed. It failed 56 to 43. Um, let's see. Around 51 million, 50, almost 52, have been raised for and against Prop 6. More than 90% of the aggregate total was raised by opponents of the ballot initiative. Uh, led by the campaign as support Prop 6. Yes, on Allied Mace had raised 51, $5 million, including 467000 from the California Republican Party. 300,000 from Kevin McCarthy's campaign and 250 from John Cox's campaign committee. If you don't remember in 2018, 2018 was also a gubernatorial election. It was when Gavin Newsom got elected. So it was a big year for elections. If you're going to have a lot of turnout, this may have actually not helped in terms of repealing the gas tax because it was a election year for a governor. Um, and in terms like that, that does make it a little bit more difficult when you have a lot of turnout by Democrats. If it was an off year, like it was 2019, there could have been a possibility that they could have repealed the gas tax uh, because there's usually a lot of people show up who are Republican for off year elections. And with the governor's election, there was a lot of focus on Gavin Newsom. There was a lot of focus on it was the midterms for Donald Trump. John Cox was endorsed by Donald Trump. So there was a lot of people showing up to vote probably in favor of Gavin Newsom. And if the California Democratic Party is saying, well, vote no on this Prop 6, and a lot of people showed up to vote for Gavin Newsom. I mean, he blew away John Cox uh, by millions of votes. Not surprising that Prop 6 did eventually fail. So immediately afterwards, there was something that did pass with a enormous amount of uh, support, which was, let me see if I can find it. It was prop 69. Uh, 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 let me see what happened. This is the overview. I want to see what the aftermath is. I think the aftermath is over here. Bear with me. I have a lot of tabs open, so bear with me if I'm clicking around a lot, because I want to make sure you're all very informed on what happened here. That way, when people are like, it's price gouging, it's the corporations. No, it's, there's a lot of things that contribute to this. And obviously, there's a whole committee that's going to figure this out. I figured this out in like 45 minutes why gas is so expensive in California. Maybe they should bring me in to testify as to uh, what is what happened and why gas is so expensive here in California. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find. Da, 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 da. Anyway, so Prop 69 was a proposition that basically said, uh, that you have to, if you're going to raise these gas taxes, if you're going to raise these taxes and you're going to say they have to be for roads, they have to be for roads. Basically, it was a, a uh, proposition that did pass with 81%. And it did bind the legislature to, if you're going to use these funds, if you are going to use them for what you advertise them for, then you should actually use them for what you're going to advertise for. Because people were wise to the fact that we may not be able to repeal it, but we may be able to hold you to your word and make sure that you're actually using it for what you're going to say you're using it for. Now, I'm a big believer in that 
with the technology we have, we should be able with our government to track every single dollar of where it's going that we should be able to show on a website. Hey, if we raise this many billions of dollars through the gas tax, then we should be able to show how it was funneled down, who made the decisions, what project it's going to, what union it's going to, because you know it's going to be a payout for any of these unions who love the California Democratic Party. Um, a lot of these road builders and construction unions, they donate mightily back to the California Democratic Party. So this is a huge slush fund for them to be able to kind of pillage these this billion dollar transportation fund. Um, and that's what Prop 69 was. So bound by Prop 69, after that, they were supposed to stick to only roads. Don't do this funny business where you all of a sudden you start to figure out Oh, it, we could put it in the general fund. And then once it's in the general fund, it can basically, uh, basically, it could be spread out all over the place and it doesn't have to go to the roads. Now, good old noodles obviously couldn't resist the fact that there is an enormous amount of money in this transportation fund, right? So, first year in office, through an executive order, California Governor Gavin Newsom has redirected gas tax money to fund railway systems and other projects. The gas tax revenue would have repaired and upgraded the station's broke uh, the state's broken highways and roads. Governor Newsom signed Executive Order 919 and 1919, September 20th, directing the already controversial gas tax money away from fixing local highways in favor of rail projects. Right. Rail projects, because a lot of people, if you know, in California, a lot of people take rail all over the place as opposed to the highways, which are the main lifeblood and way people get around the state. They decided they're going to spend it on his little pet projects of his railways. Uh, quote, instead of building capacity on our highways to move people in freight, Governor Newsom is funding his pet rail projects throughout the state. Uh, this theft of funds meant to improve our roadways is a glimpse into the future of transportation in our state. And Newsom continues to execute his September 2019 climate change executive order. The Central Valley is just the beginning. Other road projects will likely be next. This is theft of our gas taxes by executive order. Governor Newsom is intentionally starving us out of our roads. Voters approved SB1 with the promise that our crumbling highways would get the attention they deserve. Instead of building capacity, our gas tax funds are being siphoned off to fund Newsom's favorite pet projects. Governor Newsom's promise not to forget about the Central Valley is full of hot air, just like his climate plan. Um, he talks about how he talks to... At this point, California's latest step... Start, uh, my God. California's largest state budget ever... $215 billion is larded with a record number of local pork barrel projects injected by individual legislators, often in exchange for horse trading, votes on passage of certain pieces of legislation, including transportation resources spending. The $230 million of extra spending and resources in transportation can make your head spin. So why did the governor need to take gas tax revenue if there's plenty of money for pork projects? Um, and it goes on to talk about what they spent all the money um, and this is just basically what they talk. California Proposition 69, yeah, passed with 81% of the vote, uh, requires revenue from the diesel sales tax and transportation improvement fee enacted by the roads 
to be used for transportation-related purposes and exempt revenue generated by SB1 tax increases and fee schedules from the state appropriations limit. So, not surprising, right? I mean, obviously, this is what California politicians do. And when we get into propositions and when we get a list of the propositions that are going to be coming out this year and we can start to really dive into them in the language, you're going to see that there is usually language that allows these politicians to take money and move it around because it's never for the intended purpose that it really is. If they can raise billions and billions of dollars, obviously there's going to be a lot of salivating unions and special interests who are going to want the money for themselves, right? They're going to look at this and say, man, there's this huge pot of billions and billions of dollars. And I don't know if anyone's like a true detective fan. There was a whole season about the high-speed rail in California. Um, I was surprised they actually approved this story to talk about it, but it was a whole all about the high-speed rail and how they were buying up land. And it was really like this power group of elites who were kind of taking money from the state in billions of dollars and buying land. It was like this whole story. Um, it had nothing to do with like true detective always flirts with that. It has something to do with like the paranormal, but that's a whole different point. Anyway, there was a whole season about that where they talked about that. And that's basically what's happening here is you have a lot of these special interests. You have a lot of people who are very powerful. A lot of people who have the ears of democratic legislatures, legislators, and they, basically tell them like, look, I want at that money. And Governor Newsom, first year in office, has to pay back a lot of the unions who supported him and have given him millions of dollars to his campaign and helped get him elected. So what is the first thing he does? He creates an executive order and run around the voters decision, um, basically cuts out the voters and what they wanted. So that's not very democratic of him because the voters had elected by an overwhelming majority to keep the funds going to roads and highways. And now he wants it for rail projects, which nobody really uses as much as people think they do. Maybe in the Bay area, if you use BART and stuff like that, but outside of that, I don't know a lot of places that use railway. There's not a lot of rail. Well, there's the MTS down here in San Diego, but the majority of people really use um, the highways. So um, the one thing I want to talk about is why Prop 6 failed. And there was, like I, I had mentioned, there was some shenanigans, not voter shenanigans, not like they were stuffing the ballot box or anything. It was shenanigans on the part of how they word things. And it does make a big difference when you have an attorney general who is biased, who is a partisan hack, who is naming a lot of these ballot initiatives. And if you don't know that already, that the attorney general gets to name and put the language in for all of these propositions. So if there's a proposition they're not a big fan of, they're going to use deceptive wordplay to try and convince the voters of the outcome that they want, which is what happened here with Prop 6. So instead of just saying, oh, Prop 6 is to repeal the gas tax, that's basically the title of it. Prop 6 is to repeal the gas tax. Um, and if that was the title, there would probably be a lot more people who would be likely to have supported it. Um, I want to go back and look at real quick, because this is important. Do Stay with me here. Um, let's see if I can find the... There was... 
a good amount of, I want to see what the, oh, now I can't find it. That's, that's a, oh, polling on prop six. Uh, so as of survey USA, 58% of people supported. So that was people going in survey USA, then 46%. Um, so there was a lot of support for it going into the actual election. Now, what happened was there was this funny language business. And again, this is why you don't just blow through your propositions. And maybe this is setting it up for this year when we have a lot of propositions on the ballot which is important that you don't just blow through them and say, oh, this is uh, this says this, you know, the the title says we're going to, you know, build parks and, and save unicorns and clean air and all that stuff. That's the title that they want you to believe. You have to look at the actual text and what it's going to do and then break it down because the titles are very often very misleading on a lot of these propositions. Um. Governor Brown, after it was defeated, said, this is one of the most significant votes in America tonight, because where else have people voted to tax themselves to pay for what they need, right? Only in crazy California would people actually vote for taxes that they believe that they need to pay, right? That's California for you. Uh, quote, people know what you you get, what you pay for. The people knew that they're, the flim flam of the yes people were exposed. When this Trump recession comes, Trump recession, right? I don't remember a Trump recession. I just remember a big boom during those three years outside of COVID. I, I, t- I take the COVID year and just kind of, wa- it's a wash for me. I don't look at the fourth year as kind of a missing year. But those three years leading up to it, things were pretty good. When this Trump recession comes, we're going to have a $5 billion going to transit and roads and bridges in California. Right. So where else in California? Um, Now, opponents, Carl DeMaio initiative backers, also said their campaign was disadvantaged by the ballot title placed on the measure by the state. Um, Oh, and before that, the difference in spending was that they spent $5 million and then those opposed spent $47 million. Obviously, construction industry, organized labor, Democrats, unions. Again, follow the money. This isn't really that complicated. When you want to figure out why politicians do things, just follow the money. And obviously, the construction industry, organized labor, and Democrats, all in this unholy alliance, were set to benefit from the gas tax because they were making billions and billions of dollars off of it. So why would, of course, they'd want it to stay in. And of course, they're going to spend... If they can keep billions of dollars in money flowing through their coffers, they'll easily spend $47 million to defeat a measure. Um, so they said it was disadvantaged by the ballot title placed on the measure by the state. Quote, we've known that politicians have been stealing our gas taxes for years and will continue to do that, said Carl DeMaio, a Republican activist who headed the campaign. Tonight, we learned that we can also, they can also steal our votes by changing the ballot title in our initiative. We are not going to accept that. They think are going to go away. No. He complained that the official title by state officials said the measure eliminates certain road repair and transportation funding without making it clear that it repeals new gas taxes. So, yeah, there was a little bit of shenanigans. Um, And the way they did, I mean, I've talked to people who came out and said, well, yeah, I voted no because I don't want a gas tax. And that was sort of how it was advertised. And again, this is that really deceptive nature. 
of politicians, especially with propositions. You're going to see it. I keep saying it. You're going to see it. I'm already seeing ads. You're, you're going to start seeing, and it hasn't even really ramped up yet. You're going to see a lot of proposition ads for and against coming up in the next couple of months. But you are. this is one of those examples of they made it deceptively confusing on purpose so that when people thought they were appealing the gas tax, they went in the next day and people said, well, yeah, I voted no. I don't want a gas tax. And then people would say, no, no, the vote, you had to vote yes to repeal the gas tax. And people, oh, oh, okay. Well, well, I, you know, I voted no because I thought no meant I didn't want a gas tax. So perfect example, Prop 6, Carl DeMaio has not come back with another initiative, ballot initiative. It'd be a pretty good time if you wanted to get his name back out there. I don't know why he says we're not going away and then he hasn't really raised another ballot initiative um, to repeal the gas tax. Perfect opportunity, I think, right now with gas prices being as high as they are, you could have started an initiative and said, look, the politicians are not going to help you with the gas tax. They're not going to suspend it. So it's up to the voters. We're going to suspend it or we're just going to get rid of it all entirely. Um, Now, before I open it up to questions, because I did want to get through this. I want to talk about other things regarding why gas is so expensive. It's not necessarily always the gas tax, although the gas tax is a big part of it. Um, This summer blend, which is a big issue here in California. Now, the summer blend is something that they have created, that they have passed into the law, that they force refineries to do. Um, And there are definitely a number of issues that do affect why California gas prices are so high. Now, this is coming directly from energy.ca.gov. So this is directly from government website. Um, Many factors affecting California's gas prices, obviously higher taxes, which we talked about, higher gasoline production costs. California's unique cleaner burning gasoline blend specification costs more to produce than the other types of gasoline, typically accounting to 10 to 15 cents per gallon. Um, between California and the U.S. average. Environmental program costs. California is a leader in its efforts to fight climate change. The state's higher air quality standards than elsewhere in the U.S. are designed to protect the health and environment. California's shorter winter season. Summer blend gasoline evaporates at a higher temperature than winter blend gasoline, meaning it is less likely to contribute to unhealthy ozone smog levels. Summer blend gasoline is also more expensive to produce. So there's obviously... Only a small portion of, I mean, I don't know, there's a small point, especially here in Southern California. When do you say when there's actually a winter season? I guess you could say November to January or February. That's sort of the winter season, but it is a lot shorter in Southern California. Um, as a result of California's warmer climate, the state uses summer blend gasoline for a longer period during the year than elsewhere in the nation. This one I thought was interesting as well, isolated nature of the California fuels market. Under normal conditions, California refiners produce enough gasoline to meet demand inside the state. Sounds pretty good, right? Like, we're actually pretty rich in oil here in California. California refineries also export gasoline. That's pretty cool, right? When needed, the state typically imports gasoline via marine shipments. That seems kind of boneheaded. If we have gas here and we can refine gas here and give it to us, the California citizens, why are we buying it from other sources? I'm going to get to that in a minute. Where do we buy a lot of our our gas from and where does it come from? And specifically when they're talking about environmentalism and how they're so into environmentalism and protecting the environment, wouldn't it make sense to 
use the gas that you are producing here because you're going to have less emissions to get that gas to the pumps here in California rather than marine ships crossing big swaths of the ocean. Like, doesn't that kind of seem like you're asking for more emissions? Crazy, I know. The state's prices must rise to secure these international imports via marine vessel to cover the additional delivery costs. As a result of the state's isolated fuel markets, unplanned refinery outage requiring maintenance can significantly impact the state's gasoline supply, usually resulting in temporary price hikes. There's another thing, too, about there's a not a lot, a lot, not a lot. Why did I just trip up on that? There's not a lot of pipelines coming into California, as opposed to like on the eastern coast and the east, eastern seaboard. There's a lot of pipelines. So if something happens in Michigan, a pipeline from Ohio can easily redirect a lot of gasoline to Michigan and vice versa with a lot of other states. California is basically what they call a gasoline island or a petrol island. There really are no pipelines coming to California. So when something happens here in California, we're kind of out on our own. We're kind of screwed when it comes to what happens and how do we get gas and where do we get our oil from to even provide the gasoline. So that's why, like this says, if there is an outage at one of the refineries, it does create a huge spike. You'll usually see that if a refinery somewhere goes offline, all of a sudden you'll see that gas jumps up overnight and all of a sudden you're paying 25 cents more a gallon. So um, I want to talk about speaking of refineries, let's talk about refineries. Now, you can go on the energy.ca.gov, the California Energy Commission's website, and you can look at all of the refineries that have been in place in California and which are open and which are closed. So I will try and go through as many as possible. But let's say I'm trying to figure out, let's see, Anchor Refining, closed. Bridgepoint Long Beach, closed. Chem, Chem Oil Refining Corporation, closed. Chevron Bakersfield, closed. Chevron in El Segundo, that's open. Chevron in Richmond Refinery, open. That's pretty old, too. 1902 is pretty old. Coastal Petroleum Refineries, closed. Dimeno Cordon Compton Refinery, closed. Eco Petroleum, closed. Gibson Oil Refinery, closed. Global Energy Holdings, closed. Golden Eagle Refinery, closed. Golden West Refining Company, closed. Greca Energy Santa Maria Asphalt Refinery, open. Independent Valley Energy Company Bakersfield Refinery, closed. Kern Oil and Refinery Company, 1934, open. Lunday Thegard Oil Company, open. Marathon Petroleum, open. Uh, let's see, Pacific Refining, closed. Poly Petroleum, closed. Poly Petroleum Co., closed. A uh, couple Phillips are open. Powering Oil Company, closed. Uh, closed. Shell Oil Products, closed. Tosco, Bakersfield, closed. Trekker Refining, closed. Ultramar Oil, closed. U.S. Petrochem Corporation, closed. West Oil, West Coast Oil Company, closed. Western Oil and Refinery, closed. World Energy, uh, idle. Not closed, but idle. So that gives you a good idea of how many are actually closed out of all of the refineries we've had. Which gives you the impression that there was a lot of refineries here in California, and we were probably producing a lot of gasoline, a lot of oil, right? Um, not so much anymore. It looks like a, probably on this list, I would say three quarters of them are closed, uh, and probably a lot more are going to continue to be closed. And it seems to be that this current administration, California Democrats, 
seem to believe that we just need to keep closing refineries and that's going to help with, and I know that's sort of their goals. They want to get rid of all refineries over the next 20 years or so. So expect a lot more of these refineries to go offline and for gas to be even more expensive. Now, isn't it ironic, like I was saying before, if you're an environmentalist and you have stringent ideas of what your gasoline should do, wouldn't it be better to support the California economy and California industry and keep a lot of these refineries open because it's a lower cost and it's better for the environment in terms of emissions to have gas come from a lot of these refineries and go straight to gas pumps here in California? Um, right. There is a golden opportunity to, if you're going to use gas, which you have to use, you could create your own cleaner gas industry. Uh, if that's your argument, it's about emissions and it's about air quality, and all that stuff. Wouldn't it be better for California to control their own production to say, look, we have the cleanest gas in the world. We produce it all here. We pay a certain amount. We pay, a, you know, it's a lot cheaper than most people are paying because we have a crap ton of refineries and we have a lot of oil, but we're showing the world how you can produce better gasoline. Wouldn't that be the ideal, right? No, that's not the ideal. They want to close more refineries and make it hard for California to actually refine. Now, it's interesting where they get a lot of oil from. Uh, foreign sources of crude oil imports into California 2021. So the largest we get it from is Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, 16.42%. Um, nope, I'm sorry. Actually, Ecuador is the largest we get it from, 17.69%. Uh, right behind that is Saudi Arabia. Very close, 16.42%. Now, isn't it interesting that as woke and as progressive as California is, we're buying oil from a country that is, let's say, not very progressive, not very open in a lot of its feelings in regards to, I don't know, homosexuality, women's rights. So it's not very woke of you to be buying and importing a lot of oil from Saudi Arabia. Um, just, I'm just saying, you know, you're buying a lot of oil from a country that's not very progressive. Uh, right behind that, 15.8% is Iraq. Also not very super progressive. Um, and then it goes down the list. And then we have Brazil. We buy a lot of oil from Colombia, Russia. Uh, we bought 6.17% from Russia, Mexico, and then a whole bunch of others at 14.53%. So interesting that that's how much oil we get from other countries even though california is very rich in oil resources and a lot of underground oil resources they don't want to drill they want to keep closing refineries california could be energy independent between all of its resources um and we're not so we buy a lot of it from big oil tankers that come across the ocean waste a lot of gasoline and power to get here as opposed to just getting it here ourselves. So with that said, that was a little, that was in a nutshell, about 40 minutes of, um, so it says so the majority of our oil isn't from Russia, but gas is going up because of Russia. Correct. That is correct. That is the argument is that it is Putin's price hike is why we're paying so much at the, at the, at the gas pump. 
um, even though California only gets 6% of their gas actually from Russia, and the rest comes from Ecuador, Saudi Arabia, and Iraq. Um, so with that said, if you want to open it up to any questions, if you have any questions, I'll try to answer them the best I can. That's part of this. The show is the chat portion of it, the live Q&A conversation we have. Um, and that was a lot. I was That was a lot of research I had to do to kind of line this up. So whew, I hope that makes sense. But it gives you a better idea of why gas is so expensive. So when people say like, Oh, it's because of price gouging. It's because of the corporations. You can just be like, nope, it's not because of that. It's because we have a gas tax, because we have a higher summer blend, it's because we import a lot of our oil, it's because blah, blah, blah. So you can really talk, you know, know what you're talking about when you go into those conversations. And of course, California Democrats don't want to focus on um, the actual reasons. I would be reminisce, you know, save this show, bookmark it. Um, and come back to it after the committee. Maybe we'll come back to it after the committee comes up with their conclusions. That might be a good idea for a show. And say, nope, you're not paying attention. Nope, they're going to push it on price gouging and stuff like that. They're going to obviously blame corporations because that's what Democrats love to do is they love to just pretend like they, they hate corporations, even though corporations are mostly on Democrat side on a lot of things. Uh, let's see. Did they drop the mileage tax idea or do they think they'll still push for it? Um, they It's been dropped for now here in San Diego. They tried to do it a backdoor way. I had posted about it um, last week or, or so. You can go look at it. But there's the letter that says they didn't get the signatures. They were trying to do like an end run around it by going to the voters, which only requires 51% of the voters to agree as opposed to, I think, two-thirds of Sandag to um, approve it. So that failed for now. I would I would say they're not going to give up on it. They want to do the mileage tax. Uh, and remember, the mileage tax is to help, you guessed it, with roads and reparation and repairs, not reparations, repairs, rehabilitation for your roads and highways. Because you're not being taxed enough, obviously, with the gas tax. That was the whole idea. And you ever notice it's always, well, just give us this one tax and we'll be able to fix everything. And then when that one tax doesn't do it, mostly because they're siphoning off and they're putting it in other places and they're wasteful spending, then they have to come back and say, well, no, 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 we, sorry, we need one more tax. And then once we get that tax, then you'll have the best roads in the world. It'll just be like, you'll be like driving on gold. It'll be fantastic. So they always want one more tax to fix the problem that they've been complaining about for 30 years. And they just say, oh, well, you know, we just need one more tax. Just give us one more little tax and then, you know, everything will be fine. Never give them another chance at a tax. Um, Tom Cotton once said that the hardest thing to repeal is once a tax is in place, it's basically there for life. And it's the hardest thing in the world to get rid of taxes. Uh, And a lot of times you see these like Republican tax cuts they're not really tax cuts. They're not cutting. They're just kind of what is it? I think Rand Paul calls it tax shifting, meaning they'll shift where they're getting their revenue from to make it look like you're getting a tax cut, but they're not cutting taxes. They're just saying, we're going to shift some of the responsibility over here and we're going to shift some of the responsibility over here. And then um, look, all of a sudden, Hey, you know, it's like, in the, t- in the Trump tax cuts. Yeah. Everyone saw a tax cut in their, their paycheck. 
but they also didn't get the SALT deduction, and that's a big issue for a lot of people, especially here in California. SALT deduction is a big deal. Um, Bill in Michigan limiting government emergency powers. Can California do this? Sure, but we don't have the legislature to pass it. That's for sure. Um, I don't even know if you could do it as a, maybe you could do it as a, as a proposition. You could probably do it as a proposition to become a constitutional amendment. Noodles wouldn't allow that. No, they would, they would spend a crap ton of money to prevent that proposition from happening. Because obviously every governor wants to have as much power as they possibly can. So um, they always want more power. Just keep that in mind. They, uh, the politicians always want more power and they always want to be able to preserve that amount of power. Um, do, 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 do. So what other questions? What other comments? There's a lot going on. I mean, tomorrow is going to be, I think, the day we get the ruling on Roe v. Wade. Um, that's going to be... I'm, I'm more faithful that it will be overturned. There's a lot of people who believe it will be overturned. I had this fear that between the violence and the, the protesting and all that, I was worried that the Supreme Court justices would switch maybe you'll have it was six three i'm you know you worry that it might go down to five four there might be a squishy like roberts might be the squishy conservative who changes his mind um but i think if you're the supreme court it's important for you to collectively you know no matter what side of the aisle or what kind of judge you are if you're the liberal judges or the conservative judges i would think it's important that they stick together and say look we can't let this happen where people show up and uh, and intimidate us and protest because the shoe might be on the other foot, right? Um, if it ever comes close and they say, oh, well, remember that one time back in 2022 when people protested and got the Supreme Court justices to change? Who's to say that won't happen if there's another case that forces the liberal justices to vote a certain way. So um, I think they have to stand strong and stick to what they're, what they originally were going to do because they have to show the country that you're not going to intimidate us. And we're just going to, we're going to rule the way we need to rule. But I believe they're going to wait till the absolute last minute. They're going to wait till tomorrow, right before summer recess for them. And then that'll be it. And we're also waiting on the Bruin case, which is a big case, the shall issue, carry and conceal. So that's another case that could change big Second Amendment rights case um, that could change a lot of things all over the country, especially in cities like Chicago and New York here in Los Angeles. Um, so San Diego is pretty good. Uh, I did finish up my CCW. So now I'm just waiting for the actual permit from the sheriff. Um do you think that the results may just give the crazy liberals a reason to act violent? Well, yeah, I think it, it, it's it's kind of like with little children. I don't have a child. I imagine this is how it is, though. If you reward a child for bad behavior and you give in to their demands when they start losing it, they're more likely going to figure out that if you lose it and you throw a temper tantrum, that they're going to... They're going to get what they want. And that's the one thing that 
I think society as a whole kind of has to step back and say, uh, no, we are not going to put up with this. We're not going to be intimidated by the mob. That was not the way our constitutional republic was set up. It's not supposed to be governed by the mob. Um, and that's why democracy is so dangerous, right? Because it's people always say, oh, it's about protecting our democracy. It's about protecting our democracy. Democracy is dangerous, very, very dangerous, right? Because one, if you get 51% of the population who believes one thing, and even if it's a horrible thing, it doesn't make it morally right just because 51% of the people believe in it. If you got 51% of the people to believe that everybody who's a Republican is a traitor and thus everybody who's registered as a Republican should be investigated. Um, does that make it morally right to do so? It's kind of like when I posted about how Ukraine banned their opposition party, which somebody had pointed out, well, it's, it's pro Russia. And I said, well, is it made up of Ukrainians? Is it Ukrainians who are pro Russia? Well, I don't see what that has to do with anything. Well, yeah, because if that's their right to believe in being pro-Russia, and then the other side says, well, we're just going to get rid of you as a party, that's democracy, and that's what's dangerous about it. So don't give in to the mob is the basically what I'm saying. If you start giving in to the mob and letting the mob believe they have power and that every time they show up, then they will they'll keep doing it. They're just going to keep doing it. So um, I think it has to stop here, and I think it has to be like, look, you didn't change our opinion. You can riot all you want. We know this was going to be a hot button issue. We're going to go disappear into wherever our summer vacation homes are and go do our thing. So, and make sure everyone stays safe over the summer. We don't want another uh, Justice Scalia issue. So, what happened with him on his summer va- on his summer vacation when he was at his ranch? All right. Any more questions? Comments? Um, do, 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 do Texas turning blue is democracy at its finest laughing out loud. I don't know how to take that. I don't think it, I think it's, if they're not careful, it's, it's shifting that way, but I think they have a, I, I think it's a little, it'll be a couple more cycles until Texas really turns blue. But again, Republicans are horrible going on offense. They, they play defense until they lose the state and then they retreat to another state. And then they're just like, well, that state's lost, so forget ever playing offense in that state. Cool. Just keep conceding states. That's cool. Until the only states you have are like Montana and South Dakota. And you can be like, this is it. This is all we do. Is it? You know, These are the only two states we ever win. Um, how would one get their CCW in Los Angeles possible? Um, reach out to Triggerology. I don't know if he's still on the chat. Uh, but Ozzy from Triggerology has done it. He know it's a little bit of a grind, as from what I know. So it is possible, but it is a grind. It, th- to give you, I it took me a year, over about a year, to get mine, to get through the whole process, to get my interview, to get through the background check, to go to class, to qualify on my my firearms. Um, but now I'm just in the waiting where I, I, everything's done. I'm qualified. I'm just waiting for the permit to show up in the mail. And once I have the permit, I'm good to go. So um, it's very exciting. Um, and it's nice to know you, you have the ability. Um, it's nice to, I mean, if it's something that you're into, you want to do it. Um, 
I jumped in kind of late, but was it Prop 69 that you were talking about after Prop 6? Yeah, Prop 69 was the one that uh, basically required and handcuffed the legislature to uh, spend the money that they raise in gas taxes on all these taxes. And it has to be for roads and highways because people were kind of wise to the fact of, well, we know these politicians can get a little shifty with where they spend their money. Um, So Prop 69 did pass overwhelmingly 81%. But now uh, Noodles figured out that he could do an executive order and spend it on his choo-choo trains. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I suggest everybody start the process. Um, Why not? And everyone says, well, when should I do it? You know, right now it's just like the best time to start it because it does take a while to do so. Um, and after today or tomorrow, um, yeah, we're, we're going to still have our convo. I think we're trying to line up a live. We're going to talk about the CCW and we're going to talk about uh, what's going on with this new bill that's coming out. Hopefully, maybe we could do a like all in one. Maybe the new maybe we'll get the Bruin decision. We can talk about the bill and we can talk about CCW. So I would suggest go and do it. There's some organization, like if you're in San Diego County, I highly recommend you reach out to San Diego County gun owners. They were absolutely vital in like getting my CCW. They do a class. It's like 40 bucks or something like that. Um, not, I mean, it's, it's worth it. It's like $40 or something. And maybe it's like $20. I don't even remember. It's not even that much money. Um, and the president, Michael Schwartz will sit there and he'll walk you through the whole process and he'll give you a statement to use on purpose because he says, use this statement because if you use this statement, then the sheriff will know you're working with us and they'll be more likely to approve your CCW. However, he said in all of his time doing this and helping people, he's only had one person who was denied initially, but then they fixed it and then he got accepted. So, um, San Diego has turned into basically a shall issue, even though it's a may issue. Technically it's a may issue, but it's kind of turned into a shall issue because as long as you apply and you don't really have any felonies or anything like that, and you have a clean record. Um, so you can get it. You can always go to Savage and let him know your feelings about why CCWs are important. I don't know what Sacramento is like. Um, do you think you have a CCW? Do you think it'll be helpful? Um, do I think I have a CCW from Arizona? I know Arizona is a constitutional carry, so you don't need a permit to carry in Arizona. You can basically just slap it on your, your belt. As far as I understand, somebody could correct me in the, someone could correct me in the chat if that's not true or not, but I'm pretty sure Arizona is a constitutional carry where you can just, I think you need a permit to conceal and carry in Arizona, but if you just want to open carry, that's okay. You can open carry in Arizona. Um, yeah, if you want to go, go to SCOTUS blog. They'll let you know as soon as the decision in Bruin comes out. But if you're anywhere in California, I highly recommend you go start the process, figure it out. Um, you'll never know until you try. I actually heard it was funny. I was, um, I was actually purchasing a firearm while at class for my CCW. And I heard these two guys, there was like these two bros. They were like, yeah, okay, we're going to buy this really cool looking like, um, shotgun. What's the, I don't know what it's like. The shotgun has like the four, uh, barrels and you, it, it looks like a super soaker. I don't know what you call it, but that's basically what it is. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, this is so rad, man. This is so cool. And they were looking at the handguns. And one of the guys was like, yeah, I don't even know why you'd bother with a handgun. Like, it's not like you can carry it in San Diego. You know, like, you're not going to get a permit. And I looked at the guy and I was like, I literally just got out of class to get my CCW. So, like, I'm standing right here. I'm literally proof that you can get your CCW in San Diego. Um, needless to say, I don't think they really knew what they were talking about. Um, yeah, we talked about that on our on our show, Ozzy, when you were on. Uh, this idea that the best way to protect it is just all of us to exercise it and make it more normal. Um, it's been so sort of... Uh, stigmatized it's been that people feel like they're scared to talk about it and I think you have to just get over that and be like just own it proudly I feel like people just gotta be like yeah I'm a, I'm a gun owner I have my CCW I can carry I'm a I'm a safe law-abiding citizen who knows what they're doing um, so I feel like people that don't know about guns and laws are always trying to make odd statements yeah they don't really know a lot about it. Um, and it's funny because it's easy for them to make blanket statements when they think they're in company that people agree with. But if you're somebody who's not afraid to kind of speak up, you can speak up and say like, well, I'm a gun owner and people will be like, Oh, Oh, okay. And maybe they'll listen to you and they may get a little bit of pushback. Um, I'm not gonna say they're going to change their mind, but again, you have to normalize it. And that's one thing that hasn't happened with the Second Amendment is it's been painted as this like fringe kind of group of people who own firearms, like these bunch of nuts up in the hills or something. Um, When in reality, like firearm owners could be, it could be your brother, your sister, your cousin, your aunt, uncle, stuff like that. Somebody, you know, somebody you hang out with. So. All right, couple more last couple questions before we log off for today. Remember tomorrow night, Tamika Hamilton will be on to talk about her race in the sixth congressional district. Um let's see. That was Winnie. She's snoring away. She's been pretty good today. I feel like uh, they will say that background checks without knowing that already in the law. They want a waiting period. We have that too. Yet California already has background checks. Pretty much everywhere has background checks, and we have the the waiting period. Um, Do you think the supply chain crisis will lead to more new gun owners in the U.S. like COVID did? It's an interesting point. I think possibly, yeah. And I think if you are thinking that, um, I'm not usually a prepper, um, but it's not a bad idea to have some sort of contingency plan in place, you know? Because you'd rather be prepared if stuff goes down than if stuff does, you know, then when it goes down, you don't have a contingency plan. That's always my biggest fear. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be social unrest. It could be social unrest. It could be an earthquake. It could be fires. It could be there's a multitude of things that could happen here in California that create um, social unrest where things get chaotic. Um I've lived through two of them now. Hurricane Sandy when I was in New Jersey, it was crazy. There was no power. Um, people were just stockpiling, killing each other over gas. Like literally people were shooting each other over gasoline, stabbing each other. Um, so it, it there is 
And then here with COVID, when COVID first happened, uh, you know, we walked into Trader Joe's. Every shelf was bare. Every frozen food was bare. I don't know why people were buying produce because I guess they thought produce was a good idea. Frozen food would make sense because you can hunker down with frozen food for a while. Uh, but produce doesn't really make a lot of sense because it goes bad after a while. So do I think there's going to be an issue? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think we've, we're yet to see the worst of it. Um, it's funny. I was watching. I always like to keep the financial news on in in the background of my office. I'm, I have it on right now. And as Jerome Powell was talking, the stock market was going down. So I would say you don't have to be a full prepper. You don't have to have like a cabin out in the woods or like a bunker or stuff like that. But I'm about to have a contingency plan. And you might see more people buying guns because of what's happening. So I bought produce to consume while available. Yeah. It's always good to eat produce right away. Although I bought some apricots um, like a week or so ago, and they just never got ripe. So... uh. Having a CCW permit in good name from a different state would help to get a California CCW. Maybe it might, but I don't think it really makes a big difference. It's not like reciprocity. Um, although once you get a California CCW, there is a lot of reciprocity around the country of where you can then carry and conceal throughout the, the rest of the country. So, you know, it does help once you get your California because it's kind of like the strictest. You can then go to other states and carry and conceal. But there's a lot of laws. There's a lot of laws with transporting guns and firearms over state lines and all that stuff. So make sure, obviously, do your due diligence. New gun owners in time of crisis is somewhat of a silver lining. Uh, yes and no. I think it's, it's uh, you know, a lot of people during COVID became aware of the fact that they can own a gun for self-defense. Because it was COVID. It was the BLM riots. It was a lot of things that people were kind of looking at going crap like i feel like i need to protect myself and this is getting scary um with that said i'm happy those people are coming around to owning a gun because they have now accepted that owning a gun is a tool to defend yourself and your family um but i worry that those people are just buying guns and they don't know what to do with them and they may not store them properly they may not train on them they may not know what they're doing so buying a gun and just keeping it in your house is not optimal in the sense of you don't want a lot of people like that who have no idea what they're doing with guns. Um, so do you think people will push back on mask mandates if they try to bring it back? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think people will push back. I think I think, I, I think they've gone to that well one too many times, and I think people are over it, and especially now that people have gotten so used to not wearing a mask and kind of returning to normalcy to kind of say, oh, we're going back to masks is going to make a lot of people go, mm, I don't really want to go back to mass. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think, uh, yeah, USCCA is very good. Um, we learned a lot about them in our CCW class. They were one of the main sponsors, so they were very much a part of it. Um, but I do want to talk about this on a different live, so we can talk all about that. All right. With that said, thanks a lot, everyone. I hope this was an informative podcast in terms of the gas prices and the gas tax and all that stuff. Uh, it was a nice little road to go down so that you now have an idea of why 
Um, gas prices are so expensive here in California and you don't need a committee. I took me 40 minutes or a half an hour to research all of this and find this out. And I'm sure if I went down the rabbit hole, I could probably find a lot more reasons why gas is so expensive in California and not necessarily because of the corporate gouging or stuff like that, that they want to say. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Hopefully this was informative. Tune in tomorrow, 8 PM live on YouTube. Tamika is going to be joining us. Uh, to talk about her race. It's always great to have a potential congresswoman on the program. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Everyone have a great Wednesday. A little hot out there. Summer's here. So stay cool, everybody. See you on the next one. Later. for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 